Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. This is the Freeman Report on today's news talk radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report once again. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Monday the 8th of January 2024 and if you live in Europe, the weather definitely feels a wee bit colder this week after what has been a fairly mild winter so far. I've got my wood burner going on full pelt as it is a chilly two degrees Celsius um, around South Wales at the moment. Um, I went on a bike ride with James. Hello, James, in the live chat. Um, James, the northerner. Um, like I said, he's a regular in the T- TNT live chat. We went a-, a ride around the Brecon Beacons here yesterday on our motorbikes. And I can tell you, it was pretty damn cold. Um, but not as cold as it is for those German farmers um, who are all descending on cities and highways across Germany. Um, as it is an icy minus six degrees Celsius in Birmingham, um, not Birmingham, in Berlin right now, which, to be honest with you, isn't great weather for protesting. And I'll talk all about the farmer protests in a moment. But I hope all of those tractors have got heaters fitted in them. Even Barcelona in southern Europe is a chilly five degrees Celsius this morning. So winter has definitely arrived. But don't fret, because I've got some great shows for you this week. So kick back, put on a brew, turn up your thermostat, chuck on another log on the fire. Or if you've been silly enough to pay out thousands of pounds to install a heat pump, well, then you better get another jumper on and a pair of gloves. So first up today, I'll be welcoming Jonathan Tilt, who is standing as an independent candidate in the West Yorkshire mayor election, which is due to take place on the 2nd of May. Jonathan has appeared on the Freeman Report before um, the first occasion when he was leader of the Freedom Alliance Party here in the UK. And then on a second occasion after he'd left the party to focus on providing support to freedom loving independent political candidates. Jonathan has bags of integrity and is exactly the type of person we need to start electing into positions of power in the UK and across Western democracies. Jonathan understands that the current political system is captured and is held hostage by career politicians who are just kept misinformed and who only have one objective in mind, which is to keep their heads down and get re-elected. Second up today, I'll be welcoming Sandy Adams to the Freeman Report, who will discuss the big picture related to the capture of our political system and what the globalists have in store for us. Sandy has appeared on the show before. Um, She's a researcher, an activist and a podcaster whose work focuses on the United Nations Agenda 2030 plan to dismantle democracies across the world and put corporations in charge of running things. This sounds like a terrible plan to me. I mean, what could go wrong with that, I wonder? 
Sandy is currently writing a book looking at the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, which is part of the um, the, the agenda, agenda 2030 plan to reach net zero by that year, which will affect every part of our lives. She came into fame after giving a presentation on Agenda 2030 at a council meeting in little old Glastonbury here in the UK last year, after a video of the meeting went viral and has now been viewed more than six million times. Why anyone would think it is a good idea to put the very entities in charge that have caused so much destruction around the world is beyond me. Entities that are required by law to focus on delivering profit and not to create a better world for all of us. But in this era where corporations have cash flows larger than the entire GDP for many countries, it is not surprising they have used their power to capture our system of democracy, given that it gets in the way of their plans to monopolize the whole world. So stay tuned for all of that in a moment. On tomorrow's show, I'll be welcoming back Dale Penny to the show. We'll be discussing the Epstein files and a whole host of true stories that you cannot believe are actually true. June will be back on Wednesday. And then on Friday, Louise Distras will be talking about her arrest and her court case that came about because she said something on TV that resulted in somebody getting hurty feelings. And it seems a comedian friend of Louise has also now been dragged into this nonsense. Um, comedian Jay Mack apparently did a stand-up routine about Louise's TV appearance and arrest, and now he's also being taken to court. It all sounds a bit Black Mirror to me, but then nothing surprises me these days. Anyway, both of them have agreed to appear on this Friday's show to give us a lowdown on what's been going on. Okay, so back to those German farmers I was talking about just a moment ago, because, <coughs> excuse me, because they're bringing parts of the German um, country to a standstill. And it's barely being reported on the mainstream news. In fact, I haven't seen anything um, on the TV at all. Um, the reason this story isn't being reported on mainstream news is because it is part of the globalist agenda that Sandy will be talking about in a moment. The plan is to disrupt the farming model that we all rely on for our food and move us to change our diets, all in the name of saving the planet. The problem is that, like with all of these things, there is a wider agenda that has nothing to do with climate. Centralization is the name of the game for the globalists um, who want to control our food system. And at the moment, the farmers are standing in their way. So the plan is to make the current farming model unsustainable. In the Netherlands, the government is demanding that 3,000 farmers stop farming and sell up their land, while in Germany, the government is proposing to reduce farming subsidies that will make it increasingly difficult for farmers to survive. The current battle in Germany is over government plans to remove tax breaks for diesel and to take away exemptions for car tax on farming vehicles. Now, the result of this, in the end, 
will be to make farming much more expensive, thus making food more expensive for us to buy, all in the name of climate change. Last month, 40,000, get that, that 40,000 farmers blocked the streets of Berlin. And I didn't hear about anything on it in the mainstream press, whether that was the newspapers or on the TV. But 40,000 farmers came out and blocked the streets of Berlin with an estimated 8,500 tractors that resulted in a 10-kilometre-long convoy. And in the past 24 hours, farmers have successfully blocked dozens of highways with the help of German truckers, including Europe's busiest highway, the A2. And I'm hearing rumours that Polish farmers are also helping German farmers. So, along with the need to get people with integrity elected into positions of power, we also need farmers, truckers and other workers affected by Agenda 30 to come out onto the streets in protest. Foot protests are one thing around cities like London and Berlin and Paris, but farmers and truckers are a whole other level. So please do what you can to support this growing movement in Europe in any way that you can, whether it's by sharing their content, telling family and friends, or maybe even donating some money to the cause. I'll be covering this story as the week goes on, um, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to get some of the protesters on the show later in the week. If you want to get in touch about anything to do with the show, maybe the topics we're talking about, or you can suggest a guest, or maybe you want to come out for a ride with me on my motorbike around South Wales, feel free to get in touch at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's News Talk. TNT. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, James. Yeah, start of another week. Yeah, raring to go. Great to hear you've got Sandy Adams on the show. I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers and the work that she's done. Tireless work, actually, to bring, you know, the, the green agenda, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, the globalist. She's, she's just worked so hard for such a long time, way, way before 2020 even broke. So I'll be listening to that with great interest. Yeah, I do remember actually seeing um, that video um, before I even knew who Sandy Adams was. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and, and I thought she was actually brilliant. It was a little town meeting and um, the town council. And she was so informative and 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 so forceful in terms of um, laying out what is actually going on. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So I'm actually delighted. She's been on the show before. But of course, that was when I was on holiday during the summer and you were hosting the show for the week, wasn't it? So, um, so yeah, this will be the first time I've actually spoken to Sandy. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Great stuff. Well, uh, you know, we haven't got long before we have to go to the break, but uh, it's just a sort of developing story, really. I mean, the the, the scandal of the post office uh, sub postmasters and mistresses that were wrongly convicted after an IT glitch in the system, an IT system that was launched back in 1999 in the post office. And there's been a docudrama, so it's brought the whole story right back into the public consciousness. And we now have the petition uh, with more than a million signatures claiming for the former boss of the post office to lose her knighthood. Uh, ministers are so galvanized 
by this here in the UK that they're holding emergency meetings today to discuss, uh, you know, what to do about these wrongful convictions and more importantly, the compensation payouts um, that people are still waiting for four years after winning their high court battle against the post office to get them to admit it was the IT system's fault and nobody was a thief. Nobody had committed fraud uh, and nobody had embezzled any money. Lives were ruined. People committed suicide. It is a, obviously, as you know, a massive story here in the UK. So ministers are meeting today as we speak to talk about how to solve this problem as quickly as possible. Don't forget we're heading towards a general election. Nobody wants to kind of have this hanging over them, that they look as though they don't care about the little people, the workers that keep this country and the economy going. But there's an extraordinary story that's running alongside in tandem with this. And it's one of the uh, wrongfully convicted uh, postmasters. He, he alleges he was wrongly for convicted of theft. Um, and he alleges uh, today that the post office uh, made him in 2008 sign a confession, made him sign a confession and told him what to write, <laughs> saying he stole £275,000. And he alleges, and these are just allegations, but the post office hadn't, has not responded, uh, but he alleges they made him write a confession saying he stole the money um, on the threat that he would never see his children again. Now, this is quite extraordinary that, that, that this could go on. I'm not saying whether it has or hasn't. Uh, these are allegations. The post office hasn't responded to these allegations. Uh, but 68-year-old Sinepathy Narin Theron, uh, he went to prison for three years in 2008 after Horizon showed black holes in his accounting, as it did with all the sub-postmasters and postmistresses. That was the problem. It was saying that the profits weren't what they should be, and the post office thought everybody was stealing off them. It couldn't be further from the truth. It was an IT glitch. It alleged that uh, Mr. Narin Theron owed £275,000. He was investigated along with hundreds of others, um, and he says he was forced to write this confession under the threat of not seeing his children. He's tried to get his conviction uh, quashed, you know, overturned as a wrongful conviction. He said he's seen several lawyers and the lawyers have said because he signed that confession, because he put his signature, his straw man identity, you know, his legal fiction to that piece of paper, uh, uh, to get that wrongful conviction overturned is going to be incredibly difficult because he signed it. Now, I don't know which he's alleging these allocations. The post office have a not commented, which I think in this instance, maybe silence speaks volumes, because if he was lying, they would just come out and say that. Um, so there must be a copy of this confession, obviously around the lawyers have seen it, the, 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 the um, inference is whether he was forced to sign it uh, under duress of not seeing his children, which is an extraordinary and quite dystopian uh, thing to have done and a claim to make. So this story will probably have some kind of resolution, which we'll get to know what, what really is the truth in this situation. As I say, me ministers are meeting behind closed doors as we speak because this issue has galvanized the UK public. The last time we had a petition to call for somebody to be stripped of their knighthood, which is what the people want for the ex-boss of the post office, the last time this happened is when Tony Blair got his knighthood in 2022 and a million people signed a petition within the space of a week to get him stripped of his knighthood for taking us into an illegal war with Iraq. That didn't happen. Whether this happens, whether Paula Venels is stripped of her knighthood for this post office scandal, which saw lives ruined, let's wait and see. This, I mean, it's not very often I haven't got many words to say, but I really don't know what to say about this whole thing. The more you learn about it, it is another example of the rotten, corrupt 
British establishment. And I say the British establishment is because this goes, the tentacles of this case go right through our political system, our justice system, but also the post office, which is kind of, you know, is part of British life. Um, it has been for many, many decades. Um, I just find it absolutely disgusting um, because, you know, there's lots of evidence that they knew early on things were going wrong and this wasn't about people stealing money. They were telling each individual postmaster that, um, sub-postmaster, that they were the only ones that, you know, this is just you, mate. You're, you know, we haven't got any problems elsewhere when they knew damn well. There were 700 of them, at least, that were convicted. We've got four people who have taken their lives as a result of this. Um, and like I said, I've got no other word, but I'm absolutely disgusted. And, you know, this has been going on for a decade now, and we've still got people that um, haven't had their names cleared, even though we know now, and we've known for a long time, that this was to do with the accounting system, um, the Fujitsu accounting system, and not due to people stealing money. But lots of people haven't been compensated. Um, in order to get a post office, you, you need a lot of money. Lots of people put their life savings in to be able to run the, pro, um, the post office franchise. They lost all of that money. And lots of them also lost a lot more. They lost their houses. They lost marriages. Um, they've had their lives ruined. Some of them have gone to jail. I mean, I don't think I can remember as big a scandal as this um, that has been hanging around for so long. And then suddenly ITV do a drama and now the prime minister is going to sort the whole problem out. It really does show the rotten and corrupt nature of the establishment. And like I said, I include all parts of the establishment for that, the justice system, the legal system, the political system, and also our businesses. What kind of CEO um, would, um, would help cover up this kind of thing and watch people's lives being ruined? It really does make me angry, this, this story. I, I agree with you completely, and I, I don't know anyone, whether on TNT or just outside of our, our studios, that doesn't feel the same. I think it's a question of, um, because this story did break at the time, but you had to be paying attention. And I mentioned this earlier on the Dean Mackin show. It'd be interesting to see if you you agree in the brief few minutes we've got left. But it's like it, it's been publicly um, catapulted back into the public consciousness by a television documentary or drama documentary, I should say. Um, and also now social media is not what it was 20 years ago. Ago. So now people have, you know, can exchange free information. Now people can make their feelings heard and their voices heard, which we live in a very different climate now. And certainly since the last nearly four years now has shown, um, the system is not geared in our interests. And I think, you know, you'd have to be living under a stone mm. to realize that. And I think people are more willing to believe that this, this corruption on such a widespread scale, this deceit and this whole scale cruelty, cruelty of an institution yeah. could be perpetrated yeah. on the people believe that now. Post pre twenty twenty, maybe people thought, well, some of them might have been on the fiddle, some of them might have been taking it. You know, no smoke without fire. No, they were all completely innocent, and it was the post office that was at fault. You know, newsflash: the system is not here for our benefit. I think you know that's the gift of the last few years is that we've woken up to the fact that corruption is widespread on every level, as you rightly say, and shining a light on it now means that those who were in power at the time are now being held accountable. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of these sub uh, postmasters as well, they're good people. Um, you don't go and run a post office 
to become a millionaire to for, for business reasons. You know, you do it because you're part of the community. Um, a lot of these post offices are in small communities where everybody knows um, the sub postmaster, um, and you know, you 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 kind of support that community with services. Um, so it really is real really disgusting that this has happened to those people lots of them very very good people um thank you for that Gemma I'm sure we're going to cover that story more as the week goes on now that the Prime Minister has decided that he's going to sort the whole problem out what an absolute mess eh right okay um we're going to move on now we're going to take a short break but after that break um I'm going to be um welcoming back Jonathan Tilt to the Freeman Report Jonathan is standing for Mayor in West Yorkshire. So we're going to talk all about UK politics, why he's standing in the first place, because when I've spoken to Jonathan in the past, he said that he doesn't really want to be a politician. Um, it's just the fact that if he doesn't do it, who will? So we'll be talking all about his campaign in a moment. So don't go anywhere. Stick with me, James Freeman, on today's News Talk TNT. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. 
We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. We don't rock, rock. We talk. talk. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Right, welcome back. Um, and I'm delighted to be welcome welcoming back um Jonathan Tilt. Um hello Jonathan, how are you doing? Hi James, and thanks for having me on on again. It's been a while since I've been on, so thanks for the opportunity to uh, discuss the West Yorkshire mayoral elections as are coming up in, in May. Yeah, no, it's great to have you back on the show because last time you were on the show, um, it was probably, I don't know, four or five months ago now, you were talking about um, setting up an organisation to provide support for independent candidates up and down the UK. So it's great to learn that you're actually going to be standing as an independent candidate um, for running for mayor in the West Yorkshire area. Um, but Jonathan, before we start, there's probably people watching now who um, who didn't watch those shows in the past. I wonder if you wouldn't mind just starting by just um, giving us a little bit of information about yourself. Um, I think when we last spoke, um, you told me that, to be honest with you, you you don't you're not kind of a real being a politician is not something you've aspired to. Um, but if you don't do it, then who else is going to do it? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I used to be an accountant. So I work as an acupuncturist now. I lead a fairly normal and uh, average lifestyle, but I was awake to the COVID tyranny from, from day one. And um, I was aware that politics offered an opportunity, elections, particularly local elections, um, offered us an opportunity to, to provide an anti-statist narrative and to, a platform to push back against what was happening. Uh, and essentially, that's what I've been doing since um, since since the dark days of 2020. I, we used, did it initially through a political party, Freedom Alliance, uh, and then sort of came to the conclusion, essentially, that um, uh, standing as independents was, one, better aligned with the freedom movement, but two, you, you tend to get more votes as an independent than you do um, with a small pro-freedom party, uh, and avoid a lot of the bureaucracy and administration as well. So, so what I'm doing now is I run the votefreedom.org, um, organization which um, is encouraging and supporting and helping people to stand as um, primarily as parliamentary uh, candidates at the next general election. Um, my own personal focus is on standing for the West Yorkshire mayor election uh, this May. I live in West Yorkshire, I've done for most of my life. Um, and the mayors, you know, back in 2020, mayors like Khan and Burnham were, were used by the state um, to egg the government on, to push the government to be even more draconian in their lockdowns. Uh, and I just think, you know, if we could get a pro-freedom, uh, anti-statist candidate elected as, as a mayor, um, preferably myself in West Yorkshire, but somebody somewhere else, if they, uh, I mean, there are other candidates standing, uh, Nick, Nick Buckley in Manchester particularly, um, if we could get somebody in place so that when the next round of tyranny comes along, which it will come, whether it's on the back of climate change or back of another fake pandemic, um, we can have somebody that stands up and says, no, my area is not locking down. Businesses are staying open. Schools are staying open. Keep living your lives as normal. Uh, and, you know, the, the opportunity to have that platform at that point in time 
um, which isn't now, but it may be 12 months, it may be two years, three years' time, we don't know. But when, when they come with the next random wave of tyranny, which they will definitely come with, um, to have you know a mayor not like Khan, not like Burnham, somebody that can stand up in their area and, and, and resist the state narrative um, is, is a powerful tool that we can't, uh, we can't pass upon the opportunity to try and get somebody elected. Yeah, definitely. And I'm coming around to the thought as well that actually, you know, um, we all look to sort of the highest office um, for a lot of these solutions. But we do have the problem in Westminster where the whole, um, you know, system is polarised between red and blue. Um, and actually, a lot of the power these days is actually at the local level, whether it's council elections. We've um, I had somebody um, on who started a new political party in Oxford recently, and their main objective actually is to get people onto the council because it's the councils that are introducing these, you know, 15-minute cities, these ULES-type schemes and all of these other things which are encroaching into people's freedoms that they never actually voted for. Um, and I guess mayors um, are very much very similar to that as well because they do have an increasing amount of influence and obviously a platform to speak up against um, the government when it does things which we disagree with. Now, Jonathan, we're going to take a quick break now for the news headlines. And when we come back, um, I want to hear um, all about West Yorkshire. The only thing I've heard about West Yorkshire recently was about West Yorkshire police and um, the story about lesbian Nana. Um, so I know there's a lot of shenanigans. I've got Louise Distras on um, the show on Friday. She's had a run in with the West Yorkshire Police as well. So I know there's um, a lot of shenanigans going on in the area. So um, I'd like to hear about what your view is about West Yorkshire, what it's like, what the people there want, and what you're offering them um, if you get elected. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman, on TNT. I got news. News. I got news for you. News. News. I got news. I got news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Iraq is doubling down on booting America out of the country following a series of deadly US airstrikes. US President Joe Biden has once again been mocked online, with the 81-year-old Commander-in-Chief now needing to be escorted off stage like a child. Doctors are sounding the alarm over a rise in cancer cases in young people. And Australia has outlawed the Nazi salute and the display of Nazi symbols across the country. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Right, now Jonathan, um, tell us about West Yorkshire. What's the demographic like there and what kind of policies are you pushing and what are you going to offer the people of West Yorkshire if they get you elected? Okay, I, I mean, it's, it's generally thought of as a, as a sort of um, urban area with large urban centres, Leeds, Bradford, Wakefield, Halifax, etc. Um, it, it does interestingly have a, a significant rural population and the farming community as well. And, and one thing I'm trying to do through the campaign is, is highlight what's what's been going on in Ireland and Holland and places and how um, food production is very much in the sights of the globalists. They want to, um, you know, I mean, it's lunacy, isn't it? But, you know, they, they, they want to restrict farming activity so that there are food shortages, so that the population become more dependent upon uh, on their processed and manufactured food. 
Um, so, you know, linking in with and representing the farming community in West Yorkshire is a, is a significant part of what I'm doing, um, albeit it, it is predominantly you know, a, a, an urban area. Uh, I mean, the, the West Yorkshire mayor, um, mayors all have different powers, but they do, uh, they, they do all have significant and substantial powers, and that's that's where they differ from, from MPs, um, clearly. Um, in West Yorkshire, the three primary areas are housing, transport and policing. The, the mayor acts as the, as the police commissioner as well. And there are, and I would stress that our police commissioner elections across England, um, 44 of them in total. Um, so if anybody is interested in standing to be a police commissioner in their local area, you know, that, that effectively gives you um, uh, control over policing policy in your area. And we can see how the police um, in, in certain areas of the country were used to push the you know, the lockdown agenda back in 2020. So the opportunity to have some police commissioners again who were standing against that is uh, extremely powerful. So if anybody's interested in doing that, make, make contact with us through, through Vote Freedom because the, the, these roles do have significant powers. Uh, they appoint chief constables and they set policing priorities for their areas. Um, transport is an interesting one, and, and the West Yorkshire Mayor has significant um, transport powers, particularly around integrated transport. The, the existing mayor, Tracy Braben, has stated that in future, tran trans transit, uh, it's not even transport anymore, it's transit, it's an Americanization of everything, isn't it? Um, in West Yorkshire, will by, be, be by walking, walking cycling, um, bus or rail. So the fact that 84% of journeys are currently made by private vehicle is, is just being delete, deleted, erased from policy. It, it, they are going to move towards a system um, where um, freedom of movement is, is, is restricted and constrained because you will not be able to move by private vehicle very much. Uh, and the mayors are being used to implement this agenda. This is not coming from Westminster, uh, as you've stressed on the you know, on your comment about the Oxford political party. Uh, this is coming from and being implemented by local councils and mayors, and that's that's why it's vitally important we get people um, elected into these positions to, in, in the first instance, just disrupt the policy, just 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 you know throw some spanners in the works, um, but ultimately to put in place sensible policies that facilitate travel by private transport as well as by other means. Uh, I mean, in, in my own area, just just as one insane example, Kirklees Council and their climate action plan. Uh, are planning to prioritise tra uh, traffic lights for electric vehicles. So they're going to change every tra set of traffic lights in, in the area to have two sets of traffic lights. If you're in a petrol or diesel car, you go and queue in one <laughs> lane. If you're in electric, you queue in another. I mean, just the, just the cost of implementing that, apart from the abs absurd lunacy of the, the policy. Uh, but nobody knows about that, at least. It's buried on page 184 of the Climate Action Plan. Nobody, Nobody's aware. And when you tell people, they, they say, you're making it up. And I'm not making it up. It's there. It's in black and white. Um, the council's voted on that to be a future policy. Wow. I'm shocked. Yeah. They, they want to put two lots of traffic lights, one for electric yeah. vehicles. I mean, look, I think at the moment, um, the direction of travel is people are pushing back against electric vehicles because actually they're not as cheap to run as what we were told at the start. Um, and also, you know, the insurance for these things is getting more expensive because of all the fires um, that are going on. So it seems absolutely bonkers that um, they're proposing ripping out all the um, sounds worth, worse than you, Les, that does, Jonathan. It's, it's, it's utter insanity. Yes, yeah. I mean, on, just on the insurance, I, I think a lot of the insurance costs are still being buried in in general insurance, and um, petrol and diesel car owners are subsidising electric car owners. I don't think the full costs have been reflected in um, uh, electric car insurance. And, and this, you know, this snap of cold weather will be interesting as well because the batteries um, perform less well when it gets cold, don't they? So, 
um, you'll have even less range. But yes, I, I agree. I think there is, there, there, you know, there is a burgeoning pushback. Often coming from people that have had electric cars have been pressured into having them for company vehicles or whatever, and have found them to be completely rubbish. Yeah, absolutely. Jonathan, sadly, we've run out of time, but I would like to get you back on. Um, obviously, you're standing, I think it's the 2nd of May, isn't it, when the actual May, election yeah. is? So we'll definitely... We'll definitely get you back on before then to tell us um, how the campaign's going um, and we can talk about more of the policies that you're pushing. But listen, Jonathan, um, thank you for coming on the show today. And where do people go if they yeah. want to support you, um, if they want to don donate money or find out more about what you're all about? Yeah, I mean, donations helping with leaflets. We've got city, city centre stalls coming up. Um, we need bodies and people to help with all of that. Um, Jonathan-tilt.co.uk is my, is my uh, mayoral website um so if you can remember that if you i've got blessed with having a relatively unusual surname so if you just search google jonathan tilt you will come across my website for my mayor campaign so connect with me and my campaign team through through that please yeah fantastic and just remind us um which are the cities um people who do want to help so it's manchester leeds uh, we, we, yeah, yeah i mean it's west, west yorkshire which is leeds leeds wakefield huddersfield halifax bradford up to Weatherby, so it's it's the West Yorkshire. Obviously, you don't. I mean, that's that, that that's where you'll be able to vote for me if you want to travel across from Manchester and help campaign for the day. That's you'd be very welcome to do that. Yeah, fantastic. If they're allowed to drive their cars, that is. Anyway, yes. thank you very much, um, <laughs> Jonathan. Good luck with good luck with the campaign and anybody who's watching who does want to help. Um, you know, and you're fed up um, of whether it's policing, you know, woke policing, or whether it's. Um, you know, these these traffic measures they're bringing in because ULEZ is coming to many cities across the country. If you're fed up with that, please get in touch with Jonathan Tilt um, and his campaign team and go and help um, because they need help with leafleting, um, collecting money in town centres and all the rest of it that you need to do for a political campaign. So please get in touch with Jonathan Tilt. Right. OK. Um, my next guest is Sandy Adams. She'll be with us right after this short break. We're going to be talking about all of these policies and where they're being driven from, because it is all part of the UN's Agenda 30. So stay tuned for all of that in a moment with me, James Freeman, on today's News Talk TNT. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. Whatever happens to good, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot and it's become our automatic answer to so much. Hey, how's things? Good. Your mum, your weekend? Good, good. Is good even that good anymore? At the Salvos, we believe good deserves better. Let's reclaim its true meaning. To us, good has always been about making a difference, and good never picks or chooses who it helps. Isn't it time we all remember what good really means?
James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right. Um, I'm delighted to have Sandy Adams on the show with me. She's been on the Freeman Report before, um, but that was in the summer when I was on holiday. So she was um, speaking with Gemma. So it's actually the first time that I've spoken to Sandy. Um, so hello, Sandy. How are you doing? Hi, James. I'm very well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> right. OK. Um, I did give a bit of an introduction in um, at the top of the hour. Um, obviously, you came to fame, didn't you? Um, it was actually a council meeting where you were kind of laying it on the line um, to, to local councillors about Agenda 30, what it is um, and, you know, what, what sort of all the details behind it. Um, what have you been doing since then? Because I think you're writing a book at the moment, aren't you? I am. I am indeed. I mean, it's funny because that tiny thing that I did launched me into uh, into a bit of, you know, the spotlight for a bit. But I've been working on this for, for 16 years, really. And it was um, it's interesting that that, it you know, I realised how much people had woken up and how little the councils had woken up because they. They 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 put that up and 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 put it onto YouTube. I didn't film it. I didn't even know it had gone viral overnight until the next morning. So um, they're not too happy with me at the moment, obviously. Um, but the thing is that they're, they're like dinosaurs, and the whole world seems to be really understanding. Otherwise, that wouldn't have gone viral. Um, and it went viral. Other people made it go viral. I didn't do anything. It just it just rolled. So um, it it makes you realise that people there is this this um, if you like the sort of silent majority who are understanding what agenda 2030 is but we still need more numbers you know because i'm working on a documentary as well and they've gone around with a vox pop saying to people in town centers you know do you do you know what agenda 2030 is so many people have not a clue what's coming and what what they intend to do with us you know with with humanity so it's really important to get the word out really and that kind of it was almost like an act of god or whatever or whatever but it it did it just launched it into the to the public domain which is brilliant yeah yeah and i like your um your term there that you've used dinosaurs because you know for years now councillors i mean they don't get paid properly they get i think just an allowance um a lot of the people that do go um, and become councillors um are often um you know that I shall say they're not usually the most dynamic and innovative um, of people, um, you know, in, in politics. They're quite often, um, you know, part of the political system as well, whether they're a Labour or Conservative. We do need some new blood, definitely, in our councils. Um, now, Sandy, um, SDGs, I know what they are, Sustainable Development Goals. Tell us what they are and how they fit into this picture of Agenda 30. Well, uh, the Sustainable Development Goals um, were were launched at the um, in 2015 um, at the in, at the Vatican in Rome. Um, Obama came over. They needed to accelerate Agenda 21, um, and the the only way they could do it is by setting a goal really of 2030. And so they created the the 17 Sustainable Goals, uh, and they are a, 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 you can see them on on the UN website. Go and look at them they sound as everything else that's kind of inverted they sound wonderful uh, end poverty um uh no you know end um end hunger uh you know sort of uh, empower women and girls you know all these very very worthy goals and uh, <clears throat> what they really are is a, a means of 
controlling the you know controlling everything every resource on the planet because they've got uh, they've got sustainable goals for for the land for the water um for human beings for just about everything the 17 i mean i can't I, i haven't got time to reel them all off now but they are they're there they're on my website as well and you you just literally have to look at them and know that whatever they're saying it's the opposite for instance end hunger is all about controlling the, the food supply and 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 making it sort of almost like controlled by monsanto um it's it's about um and, and things like um and and poverty is about making everybody equally poor so with ubi yeah. and like that so that's the gist of it anyway i can't go into too much yet yeah, sure. Now, um, the, the SDGs were actually created um, after the Millennium Goals. Um, I think they were set back in well, oh. before the Millennium. They failed miserably. And, you know, I do know people um, on the inside um, of the UN who um, talk about the SDGs. And they're in a right old state, to be honest with you, which is good news. Um, in the UK here, um, the government was initially, I think it was the Cameron government, was initially really enthusiastic about them. Um, and then they were defunded and they've just been allowed to um, to fester. So, you know, they're, they're pushing these SDGs, but I think behind the scenes, actually, it is in a bit of a mess. Um, but tell us about these, because I think this is a really important part of it, because like you said, it all on paper, it sounds really good and positive. But the thing for me is the fact that the UN wants to put these public-private partnerships in place, where essentially our governments become um, sort of servants of the corporations. And essentially what they're talking about is putting the corporations in charge of all this, the very entities which have created a lot of the world's problems in the first place. Tell us about what they're proposing, Sandy. Well, uh, the thing is that they're really trying to put everything into um, in turn the the whole planet into a business, um, and with stakeholders, and those stakeholders want some kind of return. So we we're, we're they're basing everything on stakeholder capitalism, and the main currency is data, um, and this is the way our, our they they want our world to work. So um, <clears throat> so. And, and they're financial, financializing nature. There's this whole thing called um, natural asset classes. Uh, look them up. You can look at it up on the web, where basically nature is being financialized. And that doesn't really include us being part of it. We're, you know, our rights to roam are being taken away because everything has to be turned into a business. Nature has to be turned into a business. So, and farming has to be turned into a business. So they're encouraging farmers not to grow um, and farmers to set up um, businesses on their land instead. And I spoke to a farmer the other day who's actually had having his subsidies withdrawn um, if he's if he doesn't stop farming, if he he's a dairy farmer, he's a no, he's a cattle farmer, cattle and sheep, and he is going to have his subsidies taken away if he continues to farm sheep and cattle, um, and he's got to set up. Uh, the man from the ministry came round basically and said, "Look, you need to diversify and stop farming and put businesses on your land, otherwise your subsidies will be taken away incrementally over the next three years." I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, they're, they're, they're being told to do glamping and any other business, but instead of farming. So where's our food going to come from? And it's simple things like that, that the whole of the planet is being turned into a business. People need to work this out. And also our representative government is being taken over by the WEF with through the yeah. um, 
the, the, you know, the, if you, if you like, they're they're bringing in these um, directly elected mayors who are not elected by the people; they're elected by the WEF. Um, and uh, do our politicians know about this? I don't think they do. Do they realise that I they don't. will have no say very soon? Because it's the covenant of smart city mayors that will be in charge soon. And this is why the regionalisation is happening in our in our in our um, in our you know in our, in our areas where all the the the, the unitarian. Thing where they're putting all the councils together it's moving the people further away from the decision making and we need to be aware of all this now you know a lot of people watching this will think well where's all this come from um you know it seems to have come all of a sudden after the covid era um in the last four years but this has been meticulously planned hasn't it for a very very mm -hmm. long time tell us about mm -hmm. how long you think that this has actually been in the planning stage for um, well, a lot of the ideology, the carbon, the whole carbon um, ideology of replacing price-based economy with carbon-based economy goes right back to the 1930s, the technocracy movement. Um, and that didn't work then. There was a, a big push to have the technocracy movement. Funny enough, Elon Musk's grandfather, Joshua Haldeman, was involved in all that. And um, I talk about it in my podcasts and stuff but basically the 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 whole push for it was re reignited in the 1970s with Zbigniew Brzezinski uh, and he brought in the new economic order which was to to bring this carbon-based um, ideology back and that's when he and Maurice Strong and, and everyone set up the Earth Summit and they'd already invested in carbon credit banks to make shed loads of money before the Earth Summit. And it just really went from there. From the 1970s, there was, there was this ideology being pushed um, to, into the public domain that there was not enough um, uh, resources to go around to sustain the planet. We need to reduce the population. This was limits to growth in 1970 and the population bomb in, nine, bomb in 1970 by uh, uh, Paul Ehrlich. And then it just sort of, it just progressed. And there, there were three very major Club of Rome reports that made the bones of Agenda 21. Um, and the whole climate change thing became the driver for the control. So they got 178 countries to sign up to Agenda 21 at the Earth Summit in 1992. And this is the result of it, is what we're seeing now, is that it's it's just been accelerated and accelerated because they have to get it done. Now, the reasons for wanting to get it done who knows it's being really accelerated but you know it might be that there's certain earth changes happening that they want to get this done before those earth changes and i'm beginning to look at that as well so who knows but there it's been going on for a very very long time and we're seeing what's happening now as as the result of this long plan of literally totalitarian domination and i mean it sounds implausible but the more you see it rolling out mm. you realize yes it's true and you know i always so used that, to doubt myself you know is it really this bad and yes it is but that's the trick isn't it um it's the the bigger lie that you tell um the more believable it is because people just look at it and think nah that can't be true can it but this stuff is real isn't it and you know i think people only need to look locally i mean um the example i always give is you know all of the supermarkets and, and other big businesses they bang on and they produce lots of marketing material about how they're saving the planet by putting 
um, you know, electric vehicle parking places. They're cutting their CO2 and all of this. And whilst they're doing that and they're telling the public that they're saving the planet, um, you know, they're supporting um, industrial farming um, on our rivers and ruining the rivers. And I've done a whole show on that on, on the Freeman Report here, where um, right near me, near Hereford and, and um, um, ross on Wye, the rivers there are virtually dead because the likes of Tesco's and other supermarkets have been funding, you know, they've got chicken farms there with six million birds in there on the river. So this isn't about um, pushing back against environmentalism, is it? It's about pushing back against their control more than anything. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, we're, we're seeing it everywhere. And, and really, the, the whole COVID thing was, was, was very convenient for them to really push the infrastructure and to put into supermarkets all the biometrics and stuff like that. And we're living with this now. And it's becoming so obvious. I mean, since COVID, I think people have woken up, a lot of people have woken up, because they can see all this stuff happening around them. They're thinking, this is weird. You know, and it, it, yeah. it is weird. And it's getting weirder and weirder on the, you know, daily. And that, in a way, is kind of good because it's waking people up to think, hang on, there's something wrong here, you know? So, yeah. And yeah. a lot of people are saying, actually, that, you know, they've, um, they're, they're overplaying their hand because obviously they're in a rush now because they can see that there is a movement now. That of people that are, 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 you know, becoming awake. There's political movements starting around the world, you know, whether that's in the Netherlands um, to support the farmers who um, got elected recently. And of course, at the moment today in Germany, the, the whole country is being brought to a standstill by the farmers there. I mean, what do you think is the solution to this? Um it's massive non-compliance. Uh, that's, that's the only thing I can see that will work. Um, you know, we need our, our you see, they, they didn't they didn't hit our farmers in the same way as they hit the uh, Dutch farmers. And when I spoke to a farmer the other day, I said, why, 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 why are they doing yours very incrementally? And he said, they know that, the, that we're a bigger country than, you know, we're, we're, there's more farmers here than there is in, in Holland. And he said, I think, to be honest, I think that they, they are scared that we'd all rise up together. And so what they're doing is they're just taking away their subsidies over a incremental it's incrementalism you know it's this slow burn and a lot of the farmers are beginning just beginning to question hang on we're not growing any food um and you yeah. know i i did i did actually go on to the north somerset interactive map a friend of mine said look have a look at this north somerset map and you just press on the um renewable energy button and the whole of the land of north somerset lights up with color coded patches and there is nowhere nowhere that you can farm it's all covered in photovoltaic panels um uh these uh wind farms and building and so our, where where is the food coming from? We are an island. We can't forget that. And if they want to stop flying in or out of the UK by 2030, which is in the, the absolute zero document, um, and they're going to stop shipping in and out of the UK, how how are we going to sustain ourselves? You know, I don't. I you see this is this people have to know about this to be able to vote with their feet and say we don't want this. We do not want this. And all of our, uh, most of our government, we've, there's no proper 
um, government at the moment. I, I'm pretty sure it's run by the WEF because, you know, none of the the, the, the parties are really pushing and, and making people aware of Agenda 2030. They're supposed to represent us. What's going on? We need to, we need to get this message out to the people. Big time. Sandy, listen... I'm really, really sorry. We have run out of time, but listen, you're going to have to come back on the show because this feels like part of a conversation. There's a much longer conversation to be had. Uh, But thank you so much, um, Sandy Adams, um, ladies and gentlemen. Um, When's your book coming out? Very quickly, Sandy. Um, I'm hoping that it's going to come out in in June. I'm speaking at the symposium in June. I'm working Fantastic. Okay, Okay, we've got to go. Thank you very much, Sandy.